theyeshiva.net. This is an email I received from a woman in Texas, from all places. And uh, she was listening to all the classes on the last Mayimer, Mayim Rabim, from Parshish Noyach, about the Mabel and the Teva, and all the Machshavas and the Daigas and the Tirdas. So she wrote to me this email yesterday. I wanted to read it to you because it was extremely moving. After listening to the incredible Mimer, Mayim Rabim, and the classes on it, I'm wondering to myself, what would the state of our children's health on all levels look like if they were fed a steady preventative diet of this wisdom and truth? Not only once they're challenged, but from a very young age at home and in the classroom, how much pain and confusion could be avoided or at least mitigated. To me, this mimer plants the seeds for a kind of unparalleled spiritual intelligence. Imagine if we serve this up as a preamble, as a preamble, as a premise, as a paradigm for all things to come in life. I think more destructive than the actual struggle, which unfortunately mostly cannot be avoided, is the confusion, the loneliness, the self-condemnation. Our kids deserve to hear this from every adult in their life until it's coming out of their, their ears. As a society, we have become excellent at giving our kids the best, the best opportunities, all the tools, all the skills. But why not the best spiritual tools? deep insight into their inner world, to a godly reality? Why wait until they already experienced all the pain and confusion and anxiety to give them this life-giving information? Why wait until we have so much damage to undo? Am I being naive? I feel like we're sitting on a treasure that is infinite, and we're not sharing it enough. We're not sharing its language. We're not sharing its tools. We're not sharing its truth with our children. Is it wrong to wonder why these ideas aren't incorporated into the curriculum of our schools, into every home? It's great to be able to read and translate all of these uh, learning texts that we learn. But when so many people, so many children don't have appreciation for the majesty of Judaism and everything they learn is an academic exercise... At best, we're losing an opportunity. At worst, we're losing souls. Why are so many of our children reaching adulthood without any kind of profound and vast therapeutic gifts contained in all of these teachings? How many children and youth condemn themselves for their struggles without any sense of just how normal they are? How many of them grow up without any any real inner acceptance? without understanding what Judaism is all about. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe that's the journey of life. Maybe we're handed treasures in life, and we don't know what we're holding, and we just hide them. Maybe we haven't found the right language to bequeath this to our children. I really don't know. But I hope that this can be shared with everybody. This, these treasures can be shared with everybody. That's the letter. I wanted to share that with you, somebody's feelings from this last mimer that we learned. Huh? You second that. Okay. This is a woman from Texas. So please turn to page 23. On top it says, Lech Lecha. In the Hebrew it's Yud Beis, column 1. The last paragraph of the page. Yud Beis, column 1. On top it says, Lech Lecha. So the Maimah that begins with the words, V'lo yikari oit shimcha avram, v'ha yashimcha avram, ki ava mo'in goyim nesaticha. Many people, as you'll notice, most of the Maimahim that we learn don't have a date on the top. And the reason is because many of the writers those days, when they wrote down, they didn't think to write 
when it was said, where it was said, how it was said. They were focusing on uh, on the wisdom, on the truth, not on the you know the, the, the side details. But it gives another geschmack when you know the details, especially after so many years. So there's another Hanukkah, there's another transcript of this Maimed that was written by somebody else, and there it says the details. So the Balatanya said this Maimed on a Thursday night, Parshas told us, Tovkuf Samachvav, the night before Bris of his grandson, of his great-grandson. The Tzamach Tzedek was the grandson of the Balatanya, and uh, he was his daughter's son. He was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. He took over the, his father-in-law, the Mittler Rebbe. So Machzedek had seven sons. His oldest son was Baruch Shalom, Reb Baruch Shalom. He was born Kislev Tovkov Samachvav, 1805. The night before his bris, it was Thursday night, Parshas told us. Balatanya said a maimed on the bris based on the Pasuk and Parshas Lechlecha. So when the Tzamachzedek published Torah, he put this maimed into Parshas Lechlecha. Reb Baruch Shalom was the oldest son of the Tzamachzedek and happens also to be the great-grandfather of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Lubavitcher Rebbe's lineage to the Tzamech Tzedek, to the Alter Rebbe, is through Barbarach Shalom. So this was set for in honor of his bris. That night, Lel Chamishi, Lel Cham, I guess I said Thursday night, Wednesday night, Lel Chamishi, Parshus Adovkov Samachvav, 1805, and it's a maimer on the bris. And essentially, I would say that this maimer reveals what is the secret of a bris, what is it all about. We all know we do it. Every Jew gives a bris, even Jews who are not so into Jewish observance. A bris is something that was maintained by the Jewish people throughout all of the generations, which is an amazing thing. The truth is, today in the Western world, I would say most, or at least even many Gentile families, give their children a circumcision. I was asked the other day, somebody asked me this, what's this barbaric custom of uh, circumcising your child? So I said, listen. You know, there's a new king in England who was coronated now. His name is King Charles III. Do you know that he was circumcised by a Jewish male? <laughs> Nobody forced his mother to do it. His mother wasn't a Jew. <laughs> she was a queen. <laughs> it's a few years before she was a queen. She was the king's daughter at the time. But the system in the royal British monarchy is that whenever they had a son, they brought a Jewish male to circumcise him. So Queen Elizabeth and her father, the king, brought the mile from London, a very big mile, to circumcise King Charles III. No, they are also so barbaric. <laughs> Apparently, they felt circumcision is a good thing, and the mile are the best ones in it. They have experience that doctors even don't have in this particular area. But uh, So that's all, you know, the health benefits, okay, that's beyond the realm of the sheer. You know, why would Gentiles do a bris? You know, what are the health benefits of it? What are the physical benefits of it? But uh, the mile is not, a good mile is not worse than a doctor, on the contrary. So, you know, I remember there was once a mile I brought for one of my children. And, and the, the same day he had eight, eight, eight brisen. It's a lot of experience after 40 years, you know, 30 years. Um, the night before the bris of my oldest son, uh, who was named after the Tzamech Tzedek and the Rebbe, 22 years ago, so I learned this Maimer. And I remember that the Bris experience was a different experience after I learned the Maimer, what a Bris is. Another interesting thing is the Balatanya had different people who wrote my modem. He didn't write them himself. He's my modem. He said. He didn't. So there were people who wrote them. Most of my modem and Tayyarin were written by his brother. Balatanya, his name was Reb Zam, and he had a brother, Reb Yehuda Leib. They called him the Maharil. Maharil, Reb Yehuda Leib. He wrote a sefer called Sha'iris Yehuda. He was a big gun. And he used to write the Maimadim for his, for his brother, and mostly it's his Hanachas, his transcripts. But many of them, most of them were written by many other people. The Balatanya had around five writers. He had a son, the Mittler Rebbe, who succeeded him, Rebdoif Ber, the second Lubavitcher Rebbe. He wrote Maimadim. He had another son, Reb Moshe, his youngest son, also wrote. His grandson, the Tzamech Tzedek, also wrote. He had another Talmud called Reb Aaron Strasheller, Reb Aaron Alevi Horowitz also wrote. He had a Talmud called Reb Pinchas Reuses, Reb Pinchas Shklover, she was a very chashavayid, also a very big Talmud Hachim, he also wrote. And uh, so some of them, you have transcripts from five different people. You have his brother, and you have two sons, and you have the Tzemach Tzemach, you have even have six people. So this Mimer happens to be written by many people. Here you have the one that was written by his brother, Reb Yudalayb, who was obviously uh, there at the time of the bris, and in Liadi, the city of Liadi. You have the Hanukkah, the transcript that was written by his son, Reb Moshe, 
that's printed in my Mari Admar Azak and Tafkov Samachvav, 1805-1806, because that's where the Maimari mark. You have a transcript written by the Mittler Rebbe, which is printed in the Siddur of the Balatanya, which has explanations around it on the section of Riz. And you have the Maimir that was written, I think, by Rabbi Aaron of Strasheller, another student. So it's interesting. This morning I was learning some different, last night, this morning I was learning different of the Maimonim. So you could see exactly, they're all writing what he said, but everyone, it's filtered through the way they understand it. But you see the different Maimonim, you get explanations, more insight, because, you know, when you have a few people writing down the same, the same shir, the same Maimir, you get, uh, more clarity, more depth. Sometimes a person catches this detail, the other person doesn't catch, etc. Okay, so let's begin. The Rebbeinu Shalom tells Avram Avinu at the age of 99 to give himself, to, to circumcise himself, to remove his arla, to remove the foreskin and give himself a bris. And he says, after that he receives a name change. Your name will not be Avram anymore, your name will be Avraham. And he says, what's the difference? Avram has within it yeah, an extra hey. So it's not Avram, it's Avraham. So he says, Now I have coronated you, I have conferred upon you a new status. You are the father of Hamoin Goyim, of multitudes of nations. Hamoin means the masses, the many people. Avra, Avram, we'll soon see what the difference is, but literally the hey, so now you have hey mem is Hamoin. So you're an Av, you were an Av before, but now you're not just a father, you're Av Amoin Goyim Nesatecha. You're now a father over the multitudes of nations. Ham, Avraham, Hamoin, you're from the Hamoin Goyim. You, you could now father and mentor multitudes of peoples and cultures and nations and so forth. In other words, in simple words, after the Brismila, now you can really have an impact on the world. You can have an impact on all the nations. The question is why? What's the, connect, what's the connection? So literally it looks like, you know, you did what I said, this is going to make you wholesome and complete, so you're elevated to a new level. But the question is, why the bris? Why circumcision? How does that affect anything? So you might say, well, that's what Hashem wants, stop asking questions. But this Maimah really explores what this whole idea is. How does it change its status? Ha'inyin, the explanation is, hatam lemila. What's the whole idea behind Miller, the reason for it? What is he asking here? There's a big question that's raised in the Medrash. He's going to discuss it in a moment. He's going to quote it in a moment. I'm just going to say it now so you'll appreciate what he's saying. The Medrash says, this is in Parshas Bereshus, Parsha Yud Aleph, I think, that a philosoph, that's what the Shal Philosophos, a philosopher asked one of the great sages, one of the great the question is if Hashem wants a person to be circumcised, a child to be circumcised, he could have created him that way. No, he creates him with an arla, with a foreskin. And then you decide, he tells you, eight days, remove it. <laughs> don't give me the arla, you don't remove it. They say with the wisdom teeth, right? <laughs> Don't give me the wisdom teeth. They want to remove the wisdom teeth. <laughs> what, 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 it's, it's, uh, I understand if somebody is born and they develop and there's an affection, something, you have to, but this, you're born this way. Every, child, every healthy child, you have exceptions. People who are born without an Arla. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu was born Mohol. God was born Mohol. Other Mauritian was born Mohol. It's born in Chazal. I had an uncle, he just passed away. He was born uh, Mahal. <laughs> His name was Shalom, my father's brother. He was born Zion Adr, the birthday of Moshe Rabbeinu. And he was born uh, ready after a bris. <laughs> so they didn't you do Hatafas Dam. A little blood, yeah. My Zayda, his father, Ibsimen was his name, was a Mayo, so he did it on him. <clears throat> yeah. Tafshin Zion, 1947, in Pucking, Germany, in the DP camps, the displaced person camps. But he was born, uh, he was Taka Tzadik. It says in Medrash that uh, Tzadikim are born uh, without the foreskin. You'll soon see why. He was Taka, uh, he was a very idle in a Shama. I said at his Levaya, I told his son, he came into this world clean and he left like he came in. He left with the same cleanliness. 
So, uh, so this is the question they asked him. Most people are not born that way. So what's this idea? So the Balatanya says, the Ksiv, there's a Pasuk. This says about Shabbos. Ashabada lekim lasas. We say it Friday night in the Kiddush, and after, by Davani. Remember, Vayichulu HaShemayim Varetz V'chol Tzvam. Shem finished all his work. Vayichalu lekim bayim ashrim alachta asherasa, right? Vayikadosh Oisah, he blessed the day. He sang, Kivoy Shavas Mikol Melachtoi. Listen. Asherbara elikim lasas. On that day, Hashem rested from all the work that he created. You hear the word lasas? It fits in. doesn't fit it. Mikol Melachtoi Asherbara. Asherbara elikim. In English, he rested from all the work that he created to do. <laughs> all the work he created to do. What's to do? So the Balatanya says that word lasas is everything. He didn't create a world that's complete. He created a world where you have to do. You understand? Sometimes you create a project that's done. Sometimes you create a model that now needs to be improved. It has to be worked with. It's a template. You have what to work with. Right? You have what to work with. A real teacher, a real mentor doesn't just create the product. Now you have what to work on. To do. So the Medrash says one word, lasos lasake. What mean to do? To fix, to repair. It says in Parshas Kiseitzi, Va She will do her nails. I mean, do the nails. So today, Taket is an expression, I'm going to do my nails, right? Some of you pay for it. What does it mean, do? So the Mepharshim say, V'tikna. Asiyaz Meloshin Tikun. Fixing, repairing. I want to enhance the nails or whatever else you're doing. So it's not that tikkun is a mistake. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm messed up. No, no, that, that's, that was the creation. Right away on Shabbos it says, the begin, whatever he created is lasois. Is only the beginning to be able to repair, to be able to be masakin. And that's a key element in life because, right, like, like this woman wrote, how do you see, how do you see your struggles? If you're expecting to be complete and wholesome, so then when you encounter the lack of completion, it, could, it creates unnecessary pain, unnecessary anguish and anxiety. When a person understands that a chilek of the essential to the fabric of creation is so it's an invitation, it's an empowerment, here it is, and now, fix it up. <laughs> fix it up. The world still needs to be repaired. Like we say in Aleinu. What do they call it? You ever heard that expression? It comes from Aleinu. They don't say the last two words. But Malchus In Russia, there was an organization in the early 1800s. It was called Biloy. Bilu. Bilu is Beis Yaakov. So the Rebbe Marash said, if they would have added two words, Hashem, he would have taken a million Jews from Russia and contacted Israel. So Lesakin, there's an avoid of Tikkun. Even though Hashem created Adam, don't expect, don't think that it's a complete Bria, it's, it's, it's full, you're, you're done. You're done. They once asked a woman how her marriage is. So she said, before I was married, I was incomplete. Now I'm married and I'm finished. So don't think, don't think it's really the same thing. When you're complete, you're also finished. <laughs> don't think you're a finished product. You're not finished. It's the beginning. He created the Bria. Now starts the work, starts the Tikkun. This is stated in Medrash Rab, there was a philosopher, a non-Jewish philosopher, who asked one of the Tanoim about Mila, this was his question. If Hashem loves Mila, he wants Avram Avinu to do it, he wants Avram Avinu to continue it in his family forever, all the generations. And this is the covenant, this creates the bris. The bris with Avram Avinu, right? It says that Milad is Yud Gimel brises. The Ramam says, G'doy lehi amila, on Torah there's three brises, 
On Amila there's 13, 13 covenants, it says in Chumash, because of the bris milah. So if it's so cherished, why did he create the person Aurel without a bris? So Reb Hoshia answered him, He gave him an example. He gave him an example from something called Turmusin. The Medrash says, Turmusin was a type of bean, a very bitter bean, a legume, that was very popular in the times of the Gemara, in the Middle East. But you couldn't eat it. But you had to cook it seven times. You had to recook it seven times, and then it was a geshmak sheba geshmak. Seven times. So he said, I don't understand. If it's such a good food, why doesn't it grow edibly? He gives the example of wheat. Wheat grows. What do you do with wheat? You have to harvest the wheat. Then you have to extract the kernel. And then you have to grind it into flour. Right? It's a big avoid. And then you knead the flour with water. And then you bake it and you have bread. I don't understand. If lechem is the staple food, lechem levav and jizod, so why is it not created that way? Huh? There's another story with Rabbi Akiva. This is with Rabbi Shia. And the Medrash over there is Rabbi Shia, I think. Huh? Oh. So you wonder, what was the philosopher thinking? He doesn't know. We build homes. Are we created with homes? Deer don't build homes. Even, yeah, I mean, animals sometimes have their little, uh, you know, the birds create their nests and the groundhogs have their uh, their caves and the bears hibernate in their caves. Why do they do it? <laughs> to protect themselves. So nobody does, but nature nature doesn't do it for them, they do it. Human beings build homes, Gansana homes, why don't we just live outside? <laughs> we create clothes, why do we create clothes? <laughs> Adam and Chava decided at some point we have to have clothes. You're saying it's a Pashta thing, right? We eat with forks and knives. Why? We build bathrooms. Why? Right? Why not just be like your puppy before he's trained? We even have doctors. We learn medicine. Why? <laughs> Person gets sick. Let them be sick. In other words, what's his question? All of nature we constantly improve on. Right? We try to prolong life. We try to heal disease. We develop food. If not, we would starve. There are fruits that are, that are ready. You, have, you can eat an apple, you can eat a grape, you can eat a blueberry. But many of the greatest foods, right, beginning with the grains, yeah, either you have to cook or you have to uh, sweeten or you have to develop like wheat. So you're saying, what's the shaila? Huh? Good. Frag's good. Frag's good. But that was his answer. So you're saying, Hashem wants Mila, why did he create you an oral? He said, why did he create Turmusin the way they're Turmusin? And the answer is, everything that was created in Sheshis and Mebereshis, it's version one. But it still needs Lassos. The intention was Lassos. It should be, it should be repaired, it should be healed, it should be fixed, it should be developed. That was his answer. So a person was created Arl. A person also needs Tikkun. Part of the Tikkun is removing the Arl. To understand what's the depth of the Marshal and how is it comparable to the Nimshal. What's his question? I understand that a Turmus, those beans are bitter, I can't eat them. But what's wrong if a person has a foreskin? I understand if a person had something that simply they couldn't function their life was bitter, so you have to remove it. I get it. I want to eat bread. I need to develop the grain. I want to eat the turmusin. I need to cook them. But here, what's wrong if you leave it? Why? What, what's the mushal? You decided that arla is a bad thing. It's a bitter thing. Maybe, why? You don't see a person is born with something that stops them, that obstructs them. There's people who never had a bris, and they function as people. That's the question. What's mushalom? It's known, what we say in the morning, the statement of Chazal in the davening, this is not a posse, that's why he says Maimer. It's a statement of the Chazal, You know, every Maimer goes back to the beginning. He creates with his goodness every day, constantly every day, not just every morning, every day, constantly. My Sibiresh is the work of creation. 
What does this mean? It means tamid hu achidush yesh When you say the word chidush, chidush means new. The Ramban writes in Bereshus when it says bara, Bereshus bara in Hebrew, bara is yesh me'ayin. Yesh me'ayin means something, literally from nothing or from no thing. In Latin, they call it ex nihilo. For those of you who took Latin in yeshiva, ex nihilo. Don't worry, I also didn't. Lenny, you took Latin, no? I'm sure you took Latin. You're still learning Latin, right? Nice to have you back since Corona. First time. It's been a few years. So, Hamachadish Betuve Becholim Tabat Masabereshis means not. Here's the question what's bothering him? What, if Chiddush is Yesh Me'ayin, that's not happening every moment. It's the same world, right? The same. Let's say he's recreating me, he's recreating you, but it's the same person. It's not like when I recreate it, I'm born again from new. <laughs> the same age, <laughs> the same, the same age I was a moment ago. I still am. I'm a little older, so it's called Hamshechiyut. The world can. There's halachas of uh, some. We were once sitting at a shear. We were learning with Rabbi El Khan. So we're learning about the creation every moment. So somebody said, "So why is there a din of Sher Hamuad? <laughs> the, the ox was was recreated. <laughs> why Sher Hamuad means it gored three times. So now Hashem recreated it. So it's a new ox. It never gored. So he said, all the dinam of Chazaki, you should also throw out the window. You're in this house for three years. Cheska Sabatim. You're not in the house for three years. You're just now in the house for... But it's not a question. <laughs> when you say Hashem recreates the world, huh? Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, yeah? The Rekachava held that a wedding happens every moment in Halacha. Nisuyan happens every moment. So he told it to Rebchaim Briski, he wanted to answer. Rebchaim Briski didn't like this water. So Rebchaim Briski, how did he tell him he doesn't? He says, Mazel Tov. Says, What's the mazel tov? He says, you just got married. He got married many years before. <laughs> mazel tov, that was his way. Uh, so what's the, what's, what's the vart? Right. Right. So when it says, Hamechadesh, he says, I can understand if you tell me. The answer, of course, to these questions is, Hashem recreates the world in a continuum fashion. Yeah, if I'm four years old, I'm still going to be four years old. I'm not born again. And whatever I learned till that point, it's accumulated. It, it's, it's hemshech. But the Balatanya is medayik here. We say, ha-mechadish betuvim b'chol yem tabad ma'asabresht. What's mechadish? Mechadish is yesh me'ayin. Something from nothing. That's not mechadish betuvim b'chol yem tamad. You're continuing the yesh that was before. You could say that the yesh would have become ayin. So you're recreating that yesh again. But l'chayda, the chiddush, it's not new. Now, there's different answers to this, to this question, but here he gives an, an interesting beer. V'inyin is havos yesh, v'gashmi, me'ayin v'ruchni, i'ev shaliyas kach. The emergence of a yesh and a gashmi from an ayin and a ruchni can just be, it's not a simple process. Rak ayidei p'chines mashakostov v'hivdila, when you say the word ayin, what does ayin mean? We translate ayin as nothingness. That's not really what it means. Here he says, yesh gashmi, ayin ruchni, right? Yesh v'gashmi, me ayin v'ruchni. That really tells you what ayin is. Ayin doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Ayin means it's a different type of existence that relative to the yesh, it's called ayin because it's not registered by the properties of the yesh. You understand what I'm saying? It sounds more complicated. It's not so complicated. I mean, it's complicated, but it's not so complicated in the sense of, you know, till 120 years ago, till 130 years ago, they didn't know that there's a concept called a virus or fungi or bacteria or germs, or infections. In the 1300s, tens of millions of people died in Europe. Complete societies were wiped out. They didn't know about viruses, bacteria, germs, infections. They blamed it on the devil, and of course on the Jews. It's always a good pers- people to blame. The Jews poisoned the wells. It's called the Black Plague. 
They didn't know. So they had to find all of these types of explanations. In the 1800s in Vienna, there was a famous story. Woman after woman after woman who was giving birth was dying. And Dr. Semmelweis came up with the idea that the doctors were killing them because they went from autopsies to giving birth, to helping the women give birth without washing their hands. So he blamed the doctors, so they put him into a mental institution, an asylum, where he was beaten to death. And 20 years later, he was vindicated. At the moment, he was the scoffing of society. Because you talk about things that we don't see with our eyes, it doesn't exist. That's called ayin. Today we know that whatever you see with your eyes probably doesn't really exist. Usually the most important fundamental aspects of existence you don't see with your eyes. For example, atoms are pretty important. Cells, DNA, electrons, fungi, bacteria, germs, viruses. (laughs) Nobody ever sees these with their eyes. It means it doesn't exist. What you see with your eyes is that which is symptom after symptom. It was restricted. The frequencies of light are so restricted that your retina, your eye, can pick it up with its sensors, and your brain interprets it as so-and-so. It's actually a very uh, diluted form of existence. You hear what I'm saying? What we call ayin doesn't mean it's not. It means it doesn't register in my in my kalim, in my tools, I don't register it as something. That's why he calls it yesh v'gashmi v'ayin v'ruchni. But what you can see is usually much more important than what you could see. Because what you could see is already a reality the way it's condensed in a form that your eyes can pick them up. The fundamental properties of existence, the yesidus of existence, are not something we pick up with our eyes. We don't, simply don't have the tools for them. That's a mushal. I'm giving a mushal for ayin. So you say it's nothing. It's not nothing. It's everything. What's the ultimate ayin? Ultimate ayin is alakus. Godliness. Alakus. That's, that's ayin. Why is it called ayin? Because it's nothing. Nothing means no thing. It's not defined as a thing that my eyes are going to say, oh, I see God. Right, there was a famous astronomer in France. He once said that he developed, he has the access to the best telescope at the time, and he looked everywhere and he didn't find God. Anyway, he looked between the stars and the galaxies and the planets. At Gizucht Umetum, God was nowhere, obviously doesn't exist. So there was a big violinist in France then, and he said that he took his violin and he took it apart. And he separated, he took it up, he took apart the violin, particle after particle after particle, and he did not find music. <laughs> He did not find music. <laughs> he was using a telescope. Yeah, he was using a microscope. He didn't find God in the telescope, and he didn't find music in the micro- with the microscope. Why not? <laughs> Isn't the violin all about music? You have to build a sukkah. Yeah, I have an idea. Instead of taking a hammer and taking the nails and putting the nails into the sukkah, why don't you give a shear to the nails? Explain to the nails that Sukkot is coming and it's a big mitzvah. Somehow my nails never respond to that. I tried. <laughs> I tried standing in my Sukkot and giving a shear. Instead, huh? Even though he didn't speak to the rock. Yeah? Instead, I asked a friend to come help build a Sukkot and instead he did most of the work because I'm not so good at it. He did all of the work, sorry. Why doesn't, if you'll ask the nail, why don't you respond? The nail say, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. The nail understands the language of the hammer. The nail doesn't understand the language of the shear. Words for a nail is ayin. Now, between you and me, if you want to talk to a person, how could you influence a person more, with a hammer or with words? I know some people think with a hammer, but it's, <laughs> whenever it says kach, whenever it says in chumash, take somebody, Kachas Aaron, Kachas Yeshua. Rashi always says, Bidvarim, with words. How does Rashi know? Maybe take them with your, <laughs> with your hands. How does Rashi know? Kachas Aaron, Bidvarim. Kachas Yeshua, Bidvarim. How does Rashi know? Maybe with a hammer. The Chsam Soifer writes, because if you take a person, physically you didn't take the person. You took their hands. You didn't take the person. You understand? He says, Fakert. The person inside is rebelling. So they're actually more distant from the place you wanted to take them to. 
You force your child to come to shul. You force him. You took him. He's there. Chamsayva says, actually, he's much less there than if you wouldn't take him. He's less there because his heart is like, never again, you know? The second I grow up, I'm out of here. I'm not giving here giving a rule about you have to understand your relationship with your child. But the point is, forcing somebody to do something doesn't mean they're doing it. It looks like they're doing it. They're doing it with their hands. They're not doing it with their soul. And they have a soul. People have minds. So the moment they grow up and they start using their minds and you're off their back, it's gone. You have to be very careful. I, I took him to shul. Really? You took him to shul? You took his suit to shul. He happens to be in his suit, so he was slept. That's why Rashi says, take bedvarim. For the nail, a hammer is very good. <laughs> For the person, words are much more powerful. Why? Because a person's mind hears words. My soul listens to words. And if you inspire me, rather than force me, you'll touch me. You'll touch me. And if you touch me, then I'll be there. If you don't touch me, I won't be there. When religion speaks in the name of dogma only, rather than in the name of compassion, it loses its real power. When religion speaks in the name of coercion and punishment, rather than in the name of connection and attachment and depth, it loses its power. So what's ayin? What's ayin? Ayin means no, nothing, but it's not nothing. It's no thing. So the Balatanya says the process of a world coming from ayin to yesh is not a simple process. How does the divine energy become concretized in a world that my eyes and your eyes can pick up as yesh. It has to become a gashmi. Does you understand what that metamorphosis is? And by the way, I should say, this line contains every struggle and question in modern physics and science. How does consciousness become matter? And how does uh, quantum physics, which is absolute insanity, in terms of the paradoxes, how does it turn into a world that seems like it makes sense? Particles that are moving in two opposite directions simultaneously, and yet when you observe them, they clap, collapse into a fixed, predictable model. Essentially, what they're touching on is the journey from a place of I into a place of yesh, from a place of infinity, from a place of paradox, to a place of fixed, concrete models that I could look at and pick up. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Because I don't. I'm just using the ISIS. You mean the child, the eight-day-old child. This trauma. Oh, that's a good question. You mean how you do it? Okay, so that's a general question, but... Right, let's say chas v'shalom. Right, chas v'shalom if a child is born with a heart defect or another's disease, right, without asking the infant, we're going to do everything we can, including a surgery, to try to heal them. In other words, if parents are convinced that this is a good thing for the child, we're going to do it even without asking the child because we can't ask the child. Obviously, if the child was 30 years old, he'll have to do it. An adult has to, the kid has to choose the bris. I know of many Russian Jews who had a bris as adults, and it's it's incredible to me here when I meet them. Uh, it's really incredible. But at that young age... No, I thought the Terrence was that there are some things that you have to force. Oh, yeah, I mean, an 80... Right, exactly. In every generation, more truth comes out. The, the Malbim writes in Ashrei, it says, Dur le dur, yeshabach ma'asecha. We say it every day. Here's an amazing idea from the Malbim. You know the Malbim was, yeah? Malbim is Rosh Hashanah, Meir Leibish, Ben Yechiel Michel. Malbim. Meir Leibish, Ben Yechiel Michel. He was one of the Goinim, Tremendous gone. He lived in the 1800s. He was the Rav of Romania until they expelled him. And his commentary on Chumash and Tanakh is uh, something special. And he wrote many, many, many other svarim. He was a really brilliant, brilliant man. So he writes, he writes a lot about science. So he writes, literally means generation to generation, we will praise your actions. But the word Yeshabach in Gemara means when something is improved. Right? Umon koina b'shvach keli. Shvach doesn't only mean praise. Shvach means something becomes better and better. 
right? You say, You invested an amount of money and then it went up. The price went up. It says, what's dor dor God, uh, every day he learns more. So he says, the generation to generation, we get to see much more and much better the brilliant intricacies of creation. In every generation, we have a whole different superior appreciation. They used to think a cell is simple. For a cell to emerge randomly, what's the big deal? Right? It's a few tissues coming together. Today, when you know what's in a cell, it's like OMG and not Oh My Google. It's like, oh, really? The, 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 more, the more we develop new instruments of comprehension and of vision, you see that the world, there's, there's nothing that's simple. Whatever you thought was simple is so complex that 15 billion years of billions of monkeys uh, jumping on c- billions of computers won't even produce one sentence of what's contained in a cell. In the olden days, they didn't think that. It's simple stuff. They didn't have the instruments. It's not that they were wrong. From, from Yesh perspective, I could only see certain things. I don't, I don't see a cell. I'm sorry, it doesn't exist. <laughs> but today you know that's everything. That's, that's the fundamental building blocks of your body. The genome, the code of the genome is the blueprint of your whole body. Right? And the sequence gives the exact instructions how the body should be built. It's, it's incredible. A little, a little, uh, a little change in sequence of the DNA is, is, <laughs> call it, huh? Huh? It's a genetic disease, so sometimes it can be catastrophic for generations. The difference between me and a chimpanzee, do you think there's a difference? You know how much, how much percent? Right? Huh? Halavai. <laughs> 99% we're like chimpanzees. We share 50% of our genetic makeup with bananas. Do you ever look at a banana and see yourself? Well, you should, 50%. I happen to like bananas, I don't mind. But the point is, the point is that so in every generation, more and more truth is perceived. It says in Zohar, Last week's parsha, Bishnas Sheish Meiz Shana Lechaye Noyach. On the six hundredth year of the life of Noyach, Nifku Kol Mayonas Tahoim Rabba Varubas Hashemayim Niftachel. All the wellsprings from below opened up, and the windows of heaven opened up. So the Zoyer says, Bishnas, I quote, five thousand years and Sheish Meiz Shana, Hey Alafim Tafresh. 5,600 years. Hey, I love from Tafresh. There's going to be Nifku Kol Mayanis Tahim Rabba. All the Chachmas Ha'olam are going to burst open in an incredible way. And Arubis HaShemayim and Pnimiyus HaToyda from heaven is also going to come down like a marble into the world. Hey, I love from Tafresh. Bishnas Sheish Meyeshana Lechayinayach. It happens to be Torah Eir was published six years before Tafresh, and the Kutatayna eight years after. Generally, the whole Gilui of Torah Sachsidis, of Torah Sabal after Kabbalah, came out during that century, literally that century. Balshemtiv passed away, Tovkov Chof, Balatanya passed away, Tovkov Ayin Gimel, and all the Chachme Achsidis, that was a generation. And the whole scientific industrial revolution was literally those years. Because Hayalah from Tafresh was. 1840. If you look at the dates, 1840, the way the world changed from 1840 till today, it hasn't changed in 5,700 years. And the Zoyar says this is all a preparation for the set for, 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 for Elif Ashvi. This is the sixth millennium. It's a preparation for Elif And also more open, both. It works both ways. Okay, so now let's so let's get back to the Indian. So you have to understand what creation is. Creation and Hashem created a world, abracadabra could do. Creation is a process every moment where ayin has to become yesh. What's where ayin has to become? Everything is a lakus, everything is divine energy. DNA is divine and cells are divine, amino acid is divine, oxygen is divine, every atom is divine, all the fun everything is divine energy. But divine energy I don't pick up, I don't touch. It becomes yesh, it becomes concretized. How does that happen? So the Balatanya says you have to understand how it happens. 
So he uses a pasuk here about how the Mishkan was built and the Beis Hamikdash. There had to be a parochus, a curtain, between the Holy of Holies and the Holy. Now here is a klal in Kabbalah and Chesidus and Mechal Svarim of Machshav. The Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash were a model of the cosmos. Why is the Torah become so intricate about every detail in the Mishkan? You ever read Truma, Tetzavah, Vayakal, Pkudeh? You ever study these things well? Most people shut down right away, yeah? Unless you're an architect... Once you're a mitzvah pasha, then you have no choice. Yeah, then they, they pull you, they schlep you with their hands. Yeah. Yeah. W- what is it? The, the, the beams, right? the pegs. The truth is, the truth is, it's very interesting, but more than that, there's a whole sefer, Torah Sa'ila by the Ramah, it's a model for the cosmos. Every, every measurement, door, gate, in the Besamitish and the Mishkan, is a mirror of the world. So that's what he's going to explain here. The parochas between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Kodesh, why is there a curtain? You say you didn't want people to see inside, you didn't want people to go inside. He says it's much deeper than that. The Gemara even says that the Beis HaMikdash had Yud Gimel parochas, 13 different curtains. Different gates, every gate had 13 different curtains. The big curtain, the famous curtain, is between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Kodesh. Hivdila HaParochas Lecha. Later they had, uh, in, 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 in Bayesrishon, was called an Amatraxin, a wall. Beis HaMikdash Hasheni, they had two Parachas, but there was a Parachas. Ki Beis HaMikdash, Shom HaYamakar Ashpah V'gilei Ashchina B'Kadosh HaKadosh. The Beis HaMikdash was the source of the flow and the revelation of the Shechina in Kadosh HaKadosh and V'liyas Ashpah Nimshech Misham Olahala for the flow to continue from there outward, it couldn't be through the same intense level of revelation. Because if it would be, everything would be oneness. If infinity is manifested in its full intensity, everything is echad, everything is one. There's no polarization, there's no diversity. Because what's infinity, what's ein saif? Ein saif is everything. So if Kodesh HaKadoshim, over there, there was the Gili, there was the revelation of infinity, if that would just continue <laughs> without any interruption, without any filter, without any sensors, without any uh, uh, um, restrictions, everything would be one. And everything would be oneness. The light flows, but only through a partition. Masach is a curtain, a veil. That separates. It's not just a physical parochus. It's a curtain, so you shouldn't just walk in. Tzniyas, modesty. Obviously that too. He said it's, it's, it's a model. It represents something. The light flows through, but only through a veil. Between Kodesh HaKadoshim and Kodesh. Kodesh HaKadoshim is the Holy of Holies, and Kodesh is what's called the Heichel, the inner sanctuary of the Beis where the Menorah was, the Mizbeach was, the Shulchan was. It was still holy. Only Kayanim went in there usually. But it's not the Kodesh HaKadoshim, only Kayan Gadol went in once a year. Uparaychus Tirgim Unkulus Parsa. Very interesting. If you look in the, in the works of Kabbalah and Chesidus, especially by the Balatanya, the word Parsa is very common, also in the writings of the Arizal. Parsa. He says, what's Parsa? Parsa is the Aramaic translation of Parochus. Parsa is a partition, a veil, a Parochus. You say the Parochus, a curtain. It is a Parochus. There wasn't one Parochus. There were many and many types. Fascinating. All the evolutions from world to world, what makes, you speak in Kabbalah and Chesidus about different worlds. What does it mean different worlds? Atzilis, Bri, Yitzira, Asiya, Pritzim, Tzimposim, some other. What are these things? If you take a rocket ship, you're going to fly and bump into Yitzira a billion light years away, then you'll bump into Bri, 20 billion light years, then you'll bump into, it doesn't work that way. It's states of consciousness. Atzilis is here, but everything is here. Hishtalshalus, it means what's perceived as reality. Every paroiches creates a new world. 
every curtain, every spiritual, it's a new type of consciousness. It's even in the human brain that way, right? How many parochas <laughs> do you have in your brain filtering your subconscious into your conscious? Some people have one parochas. Some people have... <laughs> I'm laughing. Millions of parochas. And how thick is your parochas? Something comes through. Something comes through. But how much am I aware of? You know, people say, I would love more awareness. Really? It's not so simple. Awareness comes with a price. The truth is, the ultimate awareness, the ultimate awareness is, hakoil echad, everything is one. So every parochus creates a new world. What makes this world, this world, Yitzhira? It's a different feeling of self-consciousness, a different definition of reality. Why? Because the light comes through a whole new curtain. So it's a different type of energy. What's the difference between a squirrel and a tiger, and a hyena, and the black hole, and me. So, so, scientists love saying it's all the same. (laughs) It's all the same. (laughs) The fundamental, we we know, we we all know instinctively that it's not the same, it's a shtus, right? They want to say, you know, everything is just, you know, you you came from me, they're right and they're wrong. It's all the same thing because it's divine energy. But it's all different because everyone has their own parachas. When a squirrel looks in the mirror, what is he seeing? <laughs> you know, often animals don't necessarily have that self-consciousness, right? That awareness of I. When you look in the mirror, what are you seeing? It's all based on the parachas. Every world comes from a different type of curtain. V'zeu inyan hamechadish we said before the world is recreated every moment as a continuation. But the very emergence from Ayin to Yesh is a Chiddush. What's the Chiddush here? The Eir of the Yesh is called a Dover Chiddush. The Hainuai de Masach Parsa, Nasa Eir Chiddush, Eir Shal Tulda, the Einze Mimuhus Eir Hadishin. If you have a light that's burning in your room and you create a curtain, right? Or you have the light of the sun coming to your window, but you have a curtain coming down. Is there light going to come into the room? Yeah. But it's not the same light that's on the other side of the curtain. It's called Urshel Tulda. What does Urshel Tulda mean? It's a child of the original light. And what if you put a second curtain? The light may come through. But it's a different, uh, it, and literally, it has different properties, different qualities. It looks different. It has a different image. Sometimes you could put a curtain that completely blocks the light. But we all have curtains or blinds that eclipse part of the light, filters the light, and the light on the other side, it's not the same light. What does that mean spiritually? That the Rebbeinah Shalolam, as he creates the worlds, he creates a Seder Ishtalshalus, where every level has a different parochus, and that creates a new type of Ur. That's Mechadish. Then Ur, Legabi, the previous Ur, it's a new light. It's an Ur Shaltul. It's like a child. The child comes from Tati and Mami, but the child is not the father and the mother. It's a new Metzias. Ah, you come from your father and mother. You're right. You come from your father and your mother. You continue your father and mother's gene pool. You continue your father and mother's legacy. But you come with your own, with your own baggage, with your own identity. That's called Urshel Tulda, the child. It's a continuation of the first light, but it's also a new light. And it's a completely new light. That's why it's called Hamachadish Betuva. So every moment is that mechadish betuve b'chol yem tamid because that process is inherent in order to create concretization of divine infinity. As the light continues to descend and evolve, descend and evolve, there's another partition and another one and another one. Until the partition that allows there to be where divinity is concretized into what we call the material world. You understand what type of parsa that needs? That the divine energy has to go through such a filter that what is it? I call it a table, I call it a coffee bean, I call it a, a plant, I call it a shrub, I call it a worm, a flamingo, a giraffe, or a zebra, or a banana. It becomes, it becomes a gashmizdika world. That's called Seder Hishtal Shalos. 
Whenever you see the word Seder Ishtashlis, the process of Ishtashlis, the process of evolution, the process of the chain of creation, what is this chain? It's not just a chain, a rung after a rung after a rung. It's a parsa after a parsa after a parsa. It's a parochis after a parochis, a veil after a veil. And after each veil, there's a new caliber of light, which creates a new consciousness, which creates a new world, which creates a new creation. And every creature has its own parochis. That creates the diversification. And every world, of course, has its own parochis. If you go pre-parochis, kodesh HaKadoshim, hakal echel, everything is one. But because it goes through these, these, these partitions, so the first parach is between Kaidish HaKadoshim and Kaidish, but then there's many other parachas in, because each world in Ishtashalos has a different parachas which creates the type of creation that exists in that world. And therefore they have different sensitivities. How many blockages are there? How many blockages are there? How many cover-ups are there? How many filters? You have souls, for example, in, in Kabbalah, it's speaking about souls from Atzillus, souls from Bria. It says the Rambam soul came from Bria. Rashbi's soul came from Atzillus. You have souls from Yitzir. What does this mean? Souls from here? What, what, what do you mean souls? It means, this soul, how many antennas does your soul have? What do you pick up? Different antennas pick up different frequencies. It doesn't mean they're not here. right? With the cell phones, that's something called a dead zone. <laughs> it doesn't pick up anything. You don't have the kalim to pick anything up. You have souls that their antennas are rooted in Atzillus. That's the frequency they pick up. They see the world with different glasses. You have souls, their antennas come from Bria, the different parachas. And you have to respect it's a completely different reality. We're both living in the same world, but we're not living in the same world. When Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Parai, it was Atzillus talking to Sholosh Lippus Atmeyas. <laughs> Somebody who was in a transparency talking to somebody who lived in shells. Two people talking, but they're not in the same place. Whenever you're talking to your spouse, the first question you have to ask before what you're talking, are we in the same world? Because if not, if your antennas are here and my antennas are there, I don't hear what... It's not the same language, understand? Have a conversation with a flamingo. You ever tried? You ever want to talk to the birds in your backyard? I always try to talk to the birds. You want to, right? There's only one problem. They don't see what I see. They see what I don't see. They hear what I don't hear. I hear what they don't hear. <laughs> so you talk to them, and then they just fly on you. Where's the fly away? During Corona, right, nobody went to shul. And they left. During Emmas. It says Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, right? He knew Sichas Oifer, Sichas Tkolim. He could speak to palm trees. He could listen to palm trees. I can't listen to palm trees. Why? Not because they don't talk. I don't have the tools to hear them talk. So I say, palm trees, they're stupid. They don't have what to say. Really? Just because you can't hear the shir doesn't mean they don't have what to say. It means you're ADD, you're ADHD. So that's it. Palm trees are not ADHD. They sit in one place for 5,000 years and they listen. Huh? With sweaty palms. Of course they communicate. Fungi. (laughs) They don't stop communicating. (laughs) We think we communicate. You want to hear a shear? Go visit fungi. And you know what type of webs they have under earth? You know what type of... uh, You think the train station? You think the railway tracks are sophisticated? You look at the fungi tunnels. The the whole planet. The whole planet is connected. (laughs) Sadna da'arechadu. Sadna the Arachadu, in the fungi you see it. Yeah, they use the fungi system to figure out the subways. Really? Yeah. They use the fungi system to figure out the subway system? That I didn't know. Okay, you see, people are getting smarter. Ah, so, uh, fungi is unbelievable. Fungi is unbelievable. It's the, it's the Kiyom Habriya. So, uh, who knew about fungi? Who knew about fungi? Stomach, I hack the thing on your foot. You know, you get, you ever get fungus on your foot and it itches all day. <laughs> That's what people know about fungi. <laughs> yeah. Especially on your foot. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you think of the mikveh, the mikveh. They tell you don't go to the mikveh because the fungus. <laughs> That's as far as the education about fungus uh, begins and ends. What's the point here? 
The point here is there's a very powerful message here. Every reality, you always have to ask, what's the paroiches producing this reality? You understand? Always. What's the curtain that's filtering the information? Because if I can't do that, there's no communication. I'm behind one curtain, you're behind another curtain, and we're talking. What I'm not hearing what you're saying, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Why? The words are being filtered through my curtain, which creates a different reaction, a different sensitivity, a different perception. If we go beyond curtains, it's all one. But we live in a world of curtains. The Beis HaMikdash had curtains. Because the Beis HaMikdash is a model of the world, and a model of all the world, and the flow of divinity, from Ruchni to Gashmi, from Ayin to Yesh, is always HaMechadesh. HaMechadesh doesn't mean he's always doing something new that he never did. HaMechadesh means he's always creating a new light, because the Yesh, Lagabe, the Ayin is new. It's a Urshal it's a different Ur. And it doesn't happen once. Every level needs a new Ur to make that level, to make that world. In the world of Bria, this is reality. The world of Bria, this is reality. We live in the world of Asiya. This we know what reality is, and each person has a different perception. Two people could be in the same table, around the same table, but they're, they they inhabit a different world, right? Just like when you're in a bad mood, you could be in the happiest place, but you're miserable. You could you in a good mood, you could be in the most miserable place, but you're happy. You know, you know what I mean. You don't know what I mean. The first part, you certainly know what I mean, no? So what's pshat? What, what is it? What is it? It, it, it? It's the messages I'm hearing. It's the world I live in. Which world do I live in? This is the beginning of the explanation. Be'ezer Hashem will continue on Thursday morning. 8 o'clock, because they're davening here. So 8 o'clock Thursday morning. Have a wonderful day. So now you want to know which world should we be in. Well, we were put into this world. We weren't put into Kedush HaKadoshim. So that means this is the world we have to be in. But this Mimer is going to develop. This is just the beginning. It's going to become a little more intricate. Well, who's this nothing? Hashem? Why is Hashem called nothing? So, so why is it called me? It should be Yesh me HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not Yesh me It's Mimcha HaKol. The Pasuk says, Ki Mimcha HaKol. It's not Ayin. So Balatanya is explaining what it means by Ayin. Ayin means more something than yesh. No thingness. Nothingness is no thing. It's not a thing. So it's everything. <laughs> a thing can't be everything. We only are impressed by things. Yeah, this is a thing. I can, I, I can hold it. Exactly. No thing is ayin. Sorry, you don't exist. And my violin, there's no music. <laughs> That's that's everything. The moment you get that, <laughs> the moment you get that, that ayin is more reality than yesh. The moment you 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 get it, you, you get it. <laughs> that's the nakuda. Huh? is already the concretization of divine energy. All of bria sa'olam is right. Essentially. Reality is infinity. We're walking on iron. We are iron. <laughs> if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear as is. Infinite divinity. But the doors of perception are colored by many aparachas. I see a malach every day. Right, but even even a malach is a tzimtzum. A malach is also a tzimtzum. I would put it differently. Not that we wouldn't be able to handle it. The definition of self would completely be altered. The death of ego. The death of ego. And the truth is the whole of chassidus is to integrate that truth into the yesh. I mean, he'll say later in the Maimur. That's actually what this lady wrote at the beginning. So the Every parsa is actually its own words and its own vocabulary. Yeah. Until we develop that vocabulary, you cannot even see that. Yes. Very well. Every parsa has its own vocabulary, and you have to develop it to communicate to something outside of that parsa. Yeah. It's different language. If, if, if I can't talk to a cat in the same way I speak to a person. <laughs> but there's a language to talk to a cat. There's a language 
right? Which has to be developed. And you have to develop. Every time you will see... You don't talk to a baby, lahavdil, you don't talk to a baby the way you talk to an adult. So the ayin is a... The, 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 the ayin is a gunshot, that's it. It's the Hashem before he And after. Hashem <laughs> didn't... And after. Lo shanisi. The world develops. There's a process. The Zoya says, no? and we still don't know much. I said, Balshemtov was Nifter, 1760, and that's the year of beginning of Industrial Revolution. I thought it was 1850. No, no, Industrial Revolution began in 1960, in 1760, which is what. Eighteen forty was already a whole new level. Eighteen forty. So the 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 Balatanya, he was at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. He was fifteen. So he was Mamish was living living that time. No, the Balatanya was born seventeen forty five. He passed away eighteen twelve. Eighteen twelve. So he he Mamish lived at the at the at the at the, at the burst. And another interesting thing is that that came together with the Enlightenment. The whole Enlightenment came together with that. No, no, no. The end, end, early 1700s. Last year. No, you're talking about Renaissance. No, Renaissance. It's a difference. There's Renaissance and there's Enlightenment. What's the difference? What, 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 what is the Enlightenment? It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. In other words, yeah. Who is Yes. 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 And the Zayhar says, and this is the this is a very important element that the whole scientific revolution is not a contradiction to Yiddishkeit. Fakert. It allows the world to reach its tikkun. People who are afraid of science don't missing the whole point. The more you get into the truth of science, I'm not talking about fake science, real science, the more you see the achtus habriya. There's not a nekuda in science today that doesn't testify that everything is ain't safe. Everything is one. The string theory is what they're searching for, right? The, the, the ultimate nekuda. The unifying. To unify everything. They used to think, yeah, that the whole world was made up of so many diverse, extreme, endless elements. The closer you get, you see that ultimately the, 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 the building blocks are the same. In other words, whoever is responsible was using the same dictionary. <laughs> he had the same laboratory, the same store. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.